Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time... We didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys, or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on a magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you today. 
I'm relaxed. I've had, I had a, uh, I won't say a restful weekend, but I had a, uh, I had a fun weekend. Spent some time away from the computer for a little bit. And I encourage everybody to do that at some point. It is so easy to get bogged down in the minutia of the day and social media and the, the rabbit holes that come from all of that. And, and uh, I got to give credit. I've got a good friend of mine, Sam, that uh, he'll reach out to me because he's an '80s rocker, much like me, and he'll say, "Hey, listen, Steve." So and so is coming to Mississippi. Would you like to go? And I always say yes because uh, my buddy Sam Denton is one of those people that uh, he is very prolific in his concert going, and uh, it gives me an opportunity to get away. And so sometimes I'll get so focused on what we've got going on that I'll forget that there is another life out there. And so went to see Great White and Slaughter this weekend. I have seen them both before. I have not seen Slaughter since, uh, I guess, the summer of uh, 1990. And I uh, hadn't seen Great White in several years, but uh, it's always good to go back. And I had the chance to run into uh, to Artie Cosby and his wife, former Mississippi State kicker Artie Cosby, and uh, just, you know, have a great time, kind of get away from the house, get away from Star, go for a little while. And I love being here. I tell you guys all the time, I'm, I'm here for the duration but it's nice to get out. And man, what a great time on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It is incredible. Every time I go down there, I think, you know what? Man, I wish I had a place down here. Because I tell you, every weekend we didn't have something going on here, I would be down there. I love the vibe on the Gulf Coast. And I want to thank our our friends at uh, at, at the Half Shell Oyster House. And uh, a great meal there. I've been I've been there twice. Ate at the one in Flowood. Ate at the one uh, in, in uh, Biloxi across the street from the uh, Hard Rock there. It was great. So it's a great weekend. Uh, lived like a vampire for a couple days and uh, kept late hours and, and slept late. And uh, and I'm still a little bit sleepy from all that. So we're going to talk some Mississippi State sports. I did hightail it back to Starkville yesterday. Had the opportunity to cover the uh, Mississippi State Ole Miss women's basketball game. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, a, a disappointing setback in Oklahoma City. While it wasn't totally unexpected, we lose a ball game that we, we very easily could have won. Some some uh, execution late in the ball game continues to kind of be the Bulldogs' undoing on the men's side. And we've got some recruiting stuff to talk about. I mean, it's the, a lot of fanfare about the traditional national signing day has kind of been lost because of so much of the December signings nowadays. Instead, of course, you sign 22, you lose Benjamin Key uh, to Missouri. You don't get that spot back, and I addressed that on Friday's show. You don't get that spot back in your initials, but you could have the opportunity to add you know, a guy in the mid-year. But uh, be that as it may, State's still got some work to do. And, and as I said on the Bow Bound show this morning, I think there's two phases left in the recruiting process for Mississippi State. What I mean by that is I believe we'll sign a few guys on the February National Signing Day. And then I think we – we kind of wait and see what happens in the spring because I expect some attrition. There are going to be some guys that are going to leave the program. Uh, I don't think it's going to be wholesale things. And I, I know every time I mention something like that, there's there's some people that begin to kind of wring their hands. My point being is it is natural to expect some attrition when you have a coaching change, especially when you, you bring in a disciplinarian like Mike Leach. And so I suspect that we will have some people move on and then we will then kind of, uh, you know, supplement our roster and kind of fill those needs based on what's available in the grad transfer portal. And so I think we'll have signing day guys. And then I think we'll have you know, a couple of guys that potentially come on post spring. 
want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Longtime sponsors of the show. Great partner. I, I, I still get social media postings from people like, you know, I finally went to Bulldog Burger Company. And Steve Robertson is absolutely correct. Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to go break bread. You're not going to find a better restaurant quality hamburger out there than Bulldog Burger Company. You know, the kids love it. The family loves it. A lot of great options to choose from. You don't have to get a hamburger, which I encourage that you do. You know, it's kind of like you, you don't you don't go to a barber shop, you know, to get a shoe shine anymore. You go to, to get the haircut. I don't, but you do. But you go to Bulldog Burger Company for a reason, and that's to have that great American restaurant quality hamburger. So go by there, check it out, find your own favorites. I am still a big advocate for the spring rolls. I believe they are the best appetizer in Starkville proper. And let's just go ahead and say the Golden Triangle. It's going to make you better look and go try it. I'm telling you, you're going to be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you in Starkville on University and in Tupelo on Gloucester Street. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville now go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's get into women's hoops first. Because anytime we beat Ole Miss in anything, it's worth talking about leading off the show with. You know, State wins that ball game 80 to 39. It felt worse than that. And it really didn't, you know, after that first quarter, it seemed like State coasted a lot. And that's kind of been the case with Vic against Ole Miss. I, I don't know. You know, Vic always wants to beat them. But I don't think that he has the same angst for them that we do because it's come relatively easy. You know, we've had two consecutive senior classes that have graduated at Mississippi State that have never experienced a loss to Ole Miss. It's incredible, especially considering as Robbie Fogg dug up that Ole Miss won 50 out of 51 of the first meetings between the two schools. Because let's be honest, okay, and this may hurt a few people's feelings, and I'm okay with that. We were not committed to women's basketball. In the infancy of the SEC women's basketball uh, programs, we just kind of put it to, we just filled it a team. We, we, we weren't committed financially. We did not really go out there and, and seek to get, you know, spend high dollar coach money for coaches. It wasn't really until Sharon Fanning got here that we began to see some real commitment to women's basketball. And there is a debt of gratitude that is owed to Sharon Fanning. And I'm really grateful that her and Vic Schaefer have the relationship that they have where Coach Fanning. Otis now, Coach Fanning Otis, is still somewhat engaged and, and welcome to be around the program. And to Sharon's credit, she doesn't interfere. She's just enjoying all of this. She's having the opportunity to uh, to see kind of the fruits of her own labor. She's seen Vic take her work to another level. But we don't get to this point, I believe, without Sharon Fanning's contributions. And I don't know that she gets enough credit for that. Took us to our first Sweet 16. And uh, really think we got shafted in that deal. And I guess it was Duke, wasn't it, to beat us? Should have won that ball game, got cheated. And I'll still submit to you that Carol Lawson traveled on the SEC Tournament Championship game to cost Latoya Thomas and Tan White a chance to win the SEC Tournament. But be that as it may, Mississippi State gets a lot of respect now. Mississippi State now won 12 in a row against Ole Miss. Let's break down the game here real quick. I was very happy with the result, and I trust that you are as well. And again, some some interesting things. People keep asking about you know that uh, Morris was on the on the the uh, the bench and then left. I, I have no clue, and, and I, it's amazing the the stuff that we discuss sometimes. I, I I don't think there's anything there at all to speak of. I think it's just one of those things that happens. You know, sometimes things happen. People don't feel well, and 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 uh, as, as they'll tell you in South Mississippi, we've uh, we've had a bout of the crud run through Starkville. So I don't know what her situation is. 
but there's all, you know, people begin to speculate. But I think it also goes to show you, too, how committed we are to women's basketball, that we have uh, essentially a third-team center and that people are so cognizant of the fact that, hey, she was on the bench earlier and now she's left. What's the deal? I don't think there's a story there. Okay, so let's move forward. Uh, Rakia Jackson did not start. Matter of fact, Rakia Jackson uh, came on and played starters minutes but didn't really enter the game until midway through the second quarter. We didn't ask Vic about that in postgame. I meant to, but we didn't. Jessica Carter with the big game really got it going early. She was able to kind of turn, and she she was able to drop step a little bit, but she hit a couple of jumpers, and I think that Ole Miss kind of realized they were in trouble. They weren't going to be able to neutralize her if she starts hitting that jet jumper. 10 of 14 from the field for her, 24 total points, 11 rebounds. How incredible the transformation Jessica Carter's made. That was the thing, and listen, we do miss De'Aaron McCowan. She's a generational-type player. I'm not trying to sit here and suggest, I mean, that uh, Jessica Carter's on that level. But when you see the the conviction that this young lady plays with and then the commitment she's made to her own physical fitness, she has taken a step forward as a player. And I believe that she is going to be a player next year that probably is in contention for some All-American honors. I think if she continues to progress under Johnny Harris's tutelage, that she will be among the nation's best players. She's already there now in, in many respects. You've got to find a little more consistency, but she has done a great job. Chloe Bibby came out. Uh, Chloe, and, and people said, well, what's going on with Chloe Bibby? You know, she hit a couple big shots yesterday, two or four from three, three or seven from the field, pulled down six rebounds. I, I don't see some of these things that some of you do. Uh, I always see Chloe Bibby as, as very active. I see her always uh, crashing the boards as a four-player, trying to get involved and make things happen down there. There are some times that she does get beat off the dribble. There are times she gets beat on the baseline. Uh, I do see that. But, uh, you know, Chloe hadn't had her shot as of late, but she still found a way to contribute in other ways. Vic's got to be able to get her going offensively, I think, for us to make a really deep run this year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Chloe's going to be fine. Uh, and I think it's just, you know, all shooters go through that, where you have uh, you know, strikes where maybe you lose your confidence in your shot or perhaps it's just not falling for you, but you, you shoot your way through it. Uh, Maya Taylor comes in, starts again 14 minutes, but, uh, you know, that ball game was over so quickly that uh, we were able to get pretty deep into the bench. So she didn't play quite as much as normal. Six points for her. Zaria Wiggins, again, emerging as a, a real contributor on this basketball team. I don't know that we have anybody as good off the dribble as her not named Jordan Danbury. You know, when Wiggins makes up her mind that she's going to drive to the basket, there are a few people that can beat her. If she gets you on that first step, she's going to just glide right on by you beginning to see her be able to finish at the rim. There were times last year she could she could make the move and get to the the rim, but just not finish the play. Doing a better job of that now. Jordan Danbury, of course, uh, still continues to be a, a very solid contributor for this team. Even, even when she doesn't put up big points like yesterday, she puts up five points yesterday, but it seemed like she was everywhere. It seemed like she was always constantly forcing the action and extending the defense. Uh, I don't know there's many people that can consistently get around her with her quickness. She is just a an incredible on-the-ball uh, defender. Handed out eight assists yesterday. Did turn it over a little bit. Coach, coach would get on her about that. Had a couple steals, too. But uh, thought she played pretty well. But, again, this is one of those things. It's, it's almost like, and I laugh at Bo Bounds, because when we have these non-conference games, Bo will make the comment, let's uh, put our legs up and and uh, and watch, uh, watch your kids play. We were able to do a lot of that yesterday. Jemiah Mingo Young, uh, didn't score, but, you know, you can just watch her out there. She has a real presence. There are times, you know, she's got to learn to, 
to pull it back and not really force the action. There were a couple of missed layups I thought were probably should have pulled it back and set the offense. But uh, you can just tell athletically she's at a different level. Uh, Promise Taylor comes in, plays 14 minutes, and she you can tell she's not quite right. She's not there yet. I think it would probably may even be a year away. But if she can come in, give good minutes, kind of alter some shots. She did make some silly fouls yesterday, and I'm sure that's something the coach will continue to address with her. Andy Espinosa-Hunter comes in. Didn't do a whole lot again. Uh, just one of those things with her that uh, she's been a little bit inconsistent, and we're going to need her to be more of a consistent offensive player. Kind of an up-and-down game from Mitharu. Uh, as well. You know, she is becoming a fan favorite. She is kind of instant energy out there. And uh, 14.06 for her, 4 of 8 from the field, 3 of 7 from three-point line. Uh, Mr. One free throw, pulled down a rebound, picked up four fouls. And some of those were of the silly variety. Where, and, and listen, that's an effort deal. You know, I mean, it's, it's an effort foul because she's trying to go make a play for her team. 11 points off the bench. And again, I don't know if we get better value in the minutes of any other player on this team, more so than 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 her. I mean, uh, Mutharo, she's coming in looking to score. She's looking in coming to win the basketball game. And so once you get her to play a little more in control, I think you're really going to have a star there. Uh, Ole Miss, not good at sports. I, and I, I continue to repeat this, and you guys think I'm trolling. I, I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, this Ole Miss basketball team, I understand they've had some attrition, but uh, they're, again, headed for a you know, last-place finish in the SEC, and this is a program, too, that benefited from, uh, you know, from some extracurricular activities, and uh, it just seems like this entire run that State's had, Ole Miss has been uh, a cellar dweller. Now 7-13 and 13 in the league, 0-7 overall. Uh, they, State allows just two players to get into double digits, and uh, some of that happened late, you know, when uh, the game had long been decided. State jumps on this thing early, and uh, – you know, we kind of joked a little bit on press row that uh, the ball game was essentially over after one quarter. We didn't know how prophetic that really proved to be. Stayed up 30-6. to 30-6. You come out and score 30, and that's really been – State has been a little slow starting as of late. That's why it was addressed, clearly. You put up 30 points, you hold them to six, then outscore them 17-8, 18-8. Folks, if State had not scored a basket in the second and third quarter – it would have been 30 to 22. I mean, that, that just shows you how significant that start was. State simply overwhelmed them. I don't know. And granted, I think State could have put up 100 in this game easy. And again, I don't think Vic's that kind of guy. I, I know the majority of Mississippi State fans would say, hey, Vic, sweep the leg. No mercy. You know, uh, didn't do that. But um, he did play the uh, reserves just about the entire fourth quarter. No point in getting anybody injured and, you know, want to necessarily rub, rub it in somebody's face. But um, watching the, the two teams play, from an athletic standpoint, I don't know that the, the difference between the two teams has ever been greater. And that, that's coming off a couple of national championship caliber teams, you know, with Victoria Vivian's Morgan William. I think this Mississippi State roster right now is – is arguably the most athletic roster top to bottom that we've ever had ever. You had, you had some great frontline shooters. You had uh, a little bit of depth that could give you some defensive help. But when you begin to add in, you know, Rakia Jackson, um, you know, Mingo Young, uh, Matharu, you know, you've just got players that can come off the bench and, uh, you know, speaking with Garrick Hodge from the uh, Columbus dispatch, I was telling him, 
you know, we, we say, well, maybe Ole Miss has a chance in that, in that fourth quarter. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, if, if Vic runs his set, state second teamers are better than Ole Miss's frontline players. And people, again, think I'm trolling. I'm not. State is just that far ahead of Ole Miss in women's basketball. Eager to see what happens in that rematch over there. And let's not, I posted Coach Yo's uh, video. She had her daughter come with her and talk extensively about Kobe Bryant and about some of those things. Uh, but, you know, she just doesn't have a lot of bullets in the gun. I mean, uh, you know, that they've had some injuries, had to dismiss a player. And, uh, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, the, the, you recruiting fixes this, but it doesn't fix everything. This is not a good almost basketball team at all. So we're approaching the halfway point. State will host Auburn on Thursday, and that'll get you the halfway point in the SEC schedule. I don't believe anybody picked Mississippi State to win the SEC. Everybody expected State to contend. There are not a lot of great teams in the league. There are some really good teams in the league. I believe South Carolina and Mississippi State are right there. Tennessee certainly making it interesting. But uh, as we get into this week, South Carolina holds a one-game lead over Mississippi State, and then they hold the tiebreaker for the tournament. If you end with the same record, you share the, the championship title. And so Mississippi State needs South Carolina to drop a game somewhere and then continue to, to hold serve themselves. The South Carolina team is very, very good. They smashed Georgia yesterday, who was a pretty mediocre team. We, I think I felt a little bit better about Georgia a couple weeks ago, to be honest with you. But running down the numbers here, Georgia, you know, 3-4, and 12-8 and eight now overall. South Carolina leads the SEC with a perfect 7-0 conference record. State and Tennessee both at 6-1. and one. That'll get settled here soon. We travel to Knoxville. A&M 5-2 in the league. Kentucky 4-2. And, and then we kind of get into some mediocrity there. Arkansas, LSU right there at 4-3. and three. Everybody else has a losing record in the conference. Georgia 3-4. Alabama 2-5. Vanderbilt 2-5. Florida 2-5. Missouri 2-5. Auburn 1-5. Ole Miss 0-7. And here's the thing about that 0-7 record for Ole Miss. Like we talked about being number one with a bullet. Well, they're like last place with an anchor. Because their two recent games before they played Mississippi State, they lost to Missouri and to Auburn, who were the 12th and 13th place teams in the league. Missouri, just 5-15 and 15 overall, get their second conference win against Ole Miss. Auburn has one win in a conference, 1-5, and, and of course 7-10 and 10 overall. So there are three teams in the SEC with losing overall records, and Ole Miss has lost to the other two. And then the only win, of course, for Auburn was against Ole Miss. And so when you begin to look at that, you think, okay, is it possible that Ole Miss could go 0-16 in the league? That is absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. And so that's something we'll kind of continue to monitor. I don't know that State gets back into the title chase without a little help here. But the main thing is State's just got to continue to win. But one of the things about this team I think is a little different from some of the latest Mississippi State teams is you see this team beginning to get better. I mean, with those last couple of Victoria Vivians teams, you kind of knew what you had. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, we know that we're great. We've got a chance to go undefeated. This is a team where expectations were a little more subdued, but you see this team really beginning to grow and mature. And then I think we're actually ahead of schedule when you begin to really get honest with yourself. I think last Monday kind of showed that Mississippi State can be among the nation's elite, even in a, quote, rebuilding year. Very, very young team this year, and you're replacing a, uh, you know, a generational-type player 
and Tierra McCowan, but yet here you are going toe-to-toe with the best teams in the country. I think this is a very fun team to watch, and I think the better days are ahead. We begin to think, okay, this is a team early on that we thought was probably a Sweet 16 team, but I think with the right matchup, you could go even further, especially as you begin to see these young reserve players mature. Uh, those are your starters of the future. I mean, you begin, that was one of the things we worried about is our backcourt. We were so inexperienced in the backcourt. And so you got Jordan Danbury an additional year, and you think, man, what a, what a, what a godsend that proved to be. And it has been. But then when you see the players behind her begin to really embrace the college game, I think you can get even more excited about what is to come in the future. So I shared with you guys here uh, last week for the first time that uh, we have a new sponsor, Hawthorne. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Had them come on as a new sponsor. They, I got my, my products. But I, went, I went and filled up my quiz. Let me encourage you to do that. Men, go do it right now. Go do it. Right now, Hawthorne.co, and there's a quiz that you take, and uh, not everybody's chemistry is the same. You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those things there, there's, and ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Some perfumes and colognes just smell different on other people because of, you know, of, our, of our chemistry. And a lot of that boils down to what, what our tastes are and what our preferences are. So you go take this quiz, guys, and uh, it'll take the pain out of buying cologne and really men's personal care products because they're going to send you tailor products that fit your needs. Uh, I'm very, very, very impressed. Very happy with the products that I've received so far. And uh, you don't, listen, you can set up like those recurring replenishing shipments. Or, you, you know, I'll tell you what, you can try it once and just to see if you like it. I, I believe that the cologne that I have received from them, that's the best I've ever had. And, uh, you know, like everybody else, I wore uh, rayon shirts and Dracard during the 90s. Very happy with that. I was a polo guy in the 80s. I have been a Calvin Klein guy ever since. But I tell you, now that I've got these plants, and they'll, they'll send you a uh, the work scent and the play scent. You know, the work scent is nice and, and solid. Uh, maybe not quite as loud, I guess, as the play scent. But, uh, but either way, and loud is probably the wrong word. They're just a little bit different. But, man, I've got so many compliments, and you will too. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, use promo code Boneyard and you'll save 10% on your order. So go give them a try today. Ladies, Valentine's Day is coming up. You want to take care of your man, you go fill it out yourself. Or encourage him to go do it. Set that up. You'll be glad you did. Again, that's Hawthorne.co. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. C-O. Promo code Boneyard. So let's get into the men's side. Uh, like many of you, I, I, I hate to say it this way. I didn't expect to win the game. But I was awfully disappointed when we did because I thought we played well enough to win. It just kind of fell apart for us late. We got down in the ball game and we battled back. We showed some real heart and toughness, and I think it's because we have some real alphas on this basketball team. I think we have some guys that can rise to the occasion. But this is a ball game that we lost. It is very detrimental to our NCAA chances. So let's run this thing down here real quick, and uh, you know. The thing that I'll say about this is we continue to be kind of consistently inconsistent on the road. We were very, very good at home, the last homestand. And everybody's a different team away from their home arena. But I felt like once we kind of got over the hump down, we had the lead late that we would be able to hang on. Because I really felt like, to be honest with you, athletically, we were a better team than Oklahoma. You know, of course, they had some guys that could shoot it, and that that they hit some big some big three pointers late. Uh, Brady, Brady Manick uh, 
he was kind of highlighted before the game and uh, had a big game, hit a couple of big threes that really gave us some trouble. But uh, their three-point shooting, 7 of 23, not exactly stellar, but uh, better than State's 5 of 15. You know, they were, they were productive, hit some big shots late. They won the game. We didn't hit the big shot. And it's not that we don't have big shot takers, but we kind of consistent, consistently struggle in those situations. You know, last year, you just kind of threw the ball to Quindary Weatherspoon and then spread the floor and let him kind of create. And he'd go make a big shot for you. It's what he lived for. It's why he's in the, in, That's why he was drafted in the NBA draft. It's because he is a guy that's capable of taking the big shot and wants the big shot. I don't know that we're there yet. I think Robert Woodard wants the big shot. Didn't come through. Thought we kind of rushed a shot there. Probably could have gotten a better shot. He's your leading scorer on Saturday uh, with 15 points, six rebounds. Uh, DJ Stewart continues to kind of grow before our eyes. Pulls down eight rebounds, 12 points on the game. And and, uh, since he has been inserted into the starting lineup, I think it has been great for both he and Tyson Carter. Tyson Carter, 27 minutes of action, 14 points. And so those are your three double-digit scores, and you've got two guys kind of sharing the position there. Uh, So you like what you're getting out of that. Reggie Perry did not have a big game. And, you know, listen, he's not going to be aces every ball game. You'd like for him to be. Reggie Perry plays 21 minutes, just three or seven, got in some, some foul trouble. If he doesn't get in foul trouble, I think it's probably a different ball game. Manages just seven points. But uh, there were a couple fouls pretty early on that I thought were somewhat questionable. But it kind of is what it is. You just never know from one, one week to the next and one night to the next how those games are going to be called, and you have to kind of adjust. Nick Wetherspoon, I, I thought, was kind of up and down. He got in some foul trouble as well. Uh, just six points from him. But, again, this is about trying to find a way to win on the road, and State's going to have to do that because of the fact that State's NCAA resume is not what it needs to be. We kind of played our way back into contention last week, and I, and I told you guys this, I thought this Oklahoma game was, was big. I don't think it's a season-defining thing. It's not one of those things if you lose, it sinks your season, and it's not one of those things if you win, it, 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 it uh, makes your season. But it's one we needed to get, we didn't get. We've got to win three of these next five in the SEC. I get messages regularly. People say, Steve, what's, uh, you know, what do you think? You know, well, are we going to make the tournament? And the answer to that question is, at this point, I, I think that's 2BD, to be determined. But in order to get there, we're going to have to find a way to win on the road. Coming up, Mississippi State on Tuesday night, we'll play on ESPN2 at Florida. That's going to be a difficult ball game. Florida is a very is a, is a good team. They're playing well at home, and then we get Tennessee here on Saturday. That that's a must win. This is not the Tennessee team of, of, of a year ago. We've got to get we've got to get that ball game. Then we go to Lexington. It's always tough to win in Lexington because you're playing five versus eight. Not to mention Kentucky's really really good. Okay, let's not take anything away from Kentucky. They get a lot of calls, but they're a very very talented team with a Hall of Fame caliber coach. That's going to be a tough out for us. And we have Vanderbilt coming in here. you got to win that game. And then we go to Ole Miss on February 11th. State has to win three of those five. And if I had to call it today, I think those trips to Florida and Kentucky probably losses. So you have to win Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and win at Ole Miss. You have to. I don't know any other way around it. You have to win those games. I think State's got to get 20-plus to get in the tournament. Probably got to win a game or two in the SEC tournament. But this stretch between now and Valentine's Day, I think, is really kind of a defining stretch in the season because 
once you get through that trip to Fayetteville on February 15th, it's a very manageable schedule, I think. I think State should win more games than they lose down the stretch. Now 12-7. and 12-7 and seven overall, 3-3 three and three in the league. Still a lot of basketball to be played in the SEC, but the league is not good this year. We're not going to get any benefits and say, hey, well, they finished fifth or sixth in the SEC. Let's put them in. Uh, the strength of this conference is not going to carry us forward. We're going to have to go win a lot of games. We're going to have to go do what we got to do to go win games. We didn't do that Saturday. And it is frustrating. Like all of you, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where all mostly invested in this thing, and a lot of people financially invested in this. We have a very talented team. We probably have the most talented men's basketball team we have had in, in over a decade, probably since the Stansberry era. And here we are, 12-7. and seven. It, should, it shouldn't be. We're losing some games to some teams that I believe have inferior talent. And I don't think it's, it's dramatic, but you've got a couple of future pros on this team, and uh, we're not taking full advantage. We've got to find a way to make some things happen. It's frustrating. It, it, it really is. Because it seems like every time that we do something to kind of invite the fans back in and to, to get them excited again, we go on this three-game winning streak, and everybody's like, hey, you know, okay, we, we've turned a corner. And then we go up there, and, we, and we, we didn't play well for a while. Then we come back, we battle back. And, again, I think a lot of that is just the spirit of competitors. And then we couldn't close. Coffee's for closers. we got to go close games out. That's not what we are. Looking at the SEC standings right now, LSU, and, and that's a very mediocre LSU team. 6-0 and in the conference. We were, you know, what, two seconds away from beating them at the Maravich Assembly Center. We blew that. Kentucky 5-1 and in the league. Auburn 4-2. and Auburn got shelled last week. I still think this Auburn team can be can be pretty good. Florida 4-2, and 12-7. And, and, again, we, get, we go down there. It's not an impossible uh, – event by any stretch, but it's not Florida that really worries me. It's our inability to play well on the road. It's our inability to close out. And it seems like every game we go through these, uh, every road game, we go through these stretches where we just kind of stand around and watch a little bit. We don't get back in transition defense. The next thing you know, they're on a run. And then we get caught watching the game instead of coaching the game. And the next thing you know, we're down 14-15, having a battle back. We're chasing the game. Alabama has turned it around a little bit. They're four and two in the league. Tennessee four and two. Arkansas three and three. And then there's then that log jam. It's Tennessee. Pardon me. It's Arkansas, Mississippi State, South Carolina, A and M, all right there at three and three. And those are many of the games the state's going to play down the stretch. You're going to play a lot of these teams that are kind of on equal footing and worse. Texas A&M nine and nine overall. South Carolina eleven and eight overall. Ole Miss ten and nine overall. Missouri nine and ten. Vanderbilt eight and eleven. So you have a chance to get some wins, but there are not a lot of opportunities for quality wins left on the schedule. That's the big concern. The state will have a very good opportunity to beat up the bottom half of this league. That's not really going to help you light in the net. Yes, it's going to get you some Ws. Yes, it's going to get you back in the conversation, but it's not going to make you a slam dunk team. We are underachieving, considering the, the, the available talent we have on this roster. I still believe that we have the talent to turn this thing into something special. I still think we have a chance to to earn our way into the tournament. You know, last year we closed out and, and uh, dropped some games we probably shouldn't have, especially that NCAA tournament game. But I think we were so excited to kind of get over the hump 
and have an opportunity to get into the NCAA tournament that we uh, probably relax a little bit. This year, it's got to be different. You know, you're not Reggie Perry will not be back next year. This is it. We have to find a way to ride him down the stretch. And again, the competition, the second half of the schedule is not nearly what it is in the first half. But it's not a great league. We we got if we could find a way to still one of these games, like we could find a way to win at Florida or win at Kentucky. Those are big. Road wins always help. But, you know, when you've got Missouri and South Carolina and those teams down there, Frank Martin's a great coach of South Carolina. It's certainly no given to be able to go to Columbia and win. But we have to uh, to find a way. But I'm with all of you. It's uh, I believe we have an NCAA tournament team talent-wise. I don't know at this point if we have an NCAA tournament team resume-wise. If I had to pick today, I would say no, that we're not getting in. We've got to go win some things down the stretch and probably have some things go right for us. Probably have to get a little bit of help. Speaking of help, you can find it at Campus Bookmark. Longtime sponsors of the show, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets more lovely by the day. They're there to serve you at Campus Bookmart, a start building an institution. Go by and find the latest in Maroon and White fashions for your home and novelty items and merchandise for your office, your RV, your pet, whatever you want. Anything Mississippi State related, you can get it at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase to page, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Mom, I've said it more, more than once. We're going to be at Duty Noble Field sooner rather than later. It is going to warm up. It doesn't feel like it today, but it's going to warm up soon. And everybody's going to want those new maroon and white threads to wear to Duty Noble Field. So go ahead and get those on order and go ahead and be prepared as Mississippi State prepares to take on uh, the world in college baseball. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk some recruiting. We're very, very close to National Signing Day. And so let's run through a couple things here. I know everybody is interested, Steve, what's going on with Stanford grad transfer candidate K.J. Costello. So here's what I've been able to gather. Had a great visit. Nick Penley was his host. They went down, had a great weekend, spent some time. Down at, you don't know if you know this, but uh, Hobie Hobart has a bar downtown. It's called Hobie's. Uh, I go there from time to time. I don't drink, but I go in and hang out and shoot some pool and see friends and talk Mississippi State sports. Uh, but now they've opened it downstairs. The old, the old State Palace Theater open again. They have live bands there. It's been I've been a few times. Matter of fact, celebrated New Year's there. And uh, so Costello ends up down there, and uh, there was some discussion, you know, where he was telling people there in the crowd that hey, he was going to be the next quarterback in Mississippi State. I don't know if he's caught up in the moment or whatever. But the bottom line is, it was a great visit. Now, the family had to get back yesterday for a family event. Later this week, Mississippi State will be in having an in-home visit uh, with KJ and his family. At this point, I am not aware if there is an official visit for him planned this weekend. I do know there are some people jockeying for position to get him in. I think one of the big things that really helps Mississippi State here is that KJ Costello has a working knowledge of Mike Leach and the Washington State system, the Mike Leach offense. I think he has seen that up, up, up front and personal. He's seen it. And if you're a quarterback, why would you not want to play for Mike Leach? And then when you begin to look and see what he did in one year with Gardner Minshew, 
Because if you're a grad transfer, you're only going to have one year. You're going to have to go into a system that is very quarterback friendly and gives you an opportunity to put up big numbers. K.J. Costello is an NFL prospect. Matter of fact, if he doesn't get injured this year, he probably declares and comes out. He's thrown for over 6,100 yards as a college quarterback in the Power Five. And so now he's looking at this situation with Mike Leach and Mississippi State. He says, okay, if I go do it in a system and I can see what Gardner Minshew did in one year, I have the ability to put up some big numbers and boost my NFL prospects. Gardner Minshew was an afterthought in college football. People forget this. Gardner plays in Northwest Community College, goes goes to ECU, leaves there as a grad transfer, and he was going to go to Alabama and essentially be a backup at Alabama. Then he got the opportunity to go to Washington State and then wins 11 games and is now the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what Mike Leach can do for you. And so that is part of the deliberations for K.J. Costello as he looks at this and says, okay, listen, I want to be an NFL quarterback. I was one of the top prospects in the country coming out of high school. I put up some big numbers at Stanford. We had a difficult year this year, had some injuries, had to play with three scholarship offensive linemen at times. I got beat up, you know, had the thumb injury. And so now I have a chance to kind of re- reboot. And so I know they're not going to be at Stanford. I've got to find a situation that is very advantageous for me in an offense that allows me to kind of showcase my skills and a chance to get to the National Football League. He has that here at Mississippi State. I don't know if there is a better opportunity for a grad transfer quarterback than Mike Leach. I think he's proven that. And he is a guy that wants the older guy. He wants the mature guy that can process information. KJ Costello, very, very intelligent. Very, very, I mean, well, first of all, you don't get into Stanford if you don't have what it takes upstairs. But in order to run this offense, because of how quickly you have to process information, you've got to be above reasonable intelligence. You've got to be very, very sharp. You've got to be very, very smart and very quick in your decision-making process. And so to me, you know, looking on paper, this is a match made in heaven. Now, you don't have the receivers, perhaps, that you did. I'm sure Stanford probably has more talent at wide receiver than Mississippi State does. But I'm also interested to see what Steve Spurrier and Dave Nickel will do with the players they have back. These guys believe in their system. That's one of the things that I could continue to hear from our Mississippi State staffers is, man, these offensive guys believe they can score on anybody. They believe if guys buy in and come in here and work hard, they can teach them their scheme very, very quickly, and it's a very simple system to run. It's also very innovative that they change it week to week based on what opponents do defensively. So, yes, you've got to work with the available talent, and I still think there's probably the probability and very much a possibility that you add another receiver later in this process, possibly a grad transfer. But the bottom line is is that you have coaches that really know how things are supposed to work. Mike Leach isn't going to have to spend time explaining to his guys, hey, this is how I want this route run. Here's the timing on this. Because these guys are just going to come in and get to work, which is what they've done. And talking to some guys, some returning staffers, guys that have been here, that they have shared with me, they think these guys are going to be better recruiters than people are giving them credit for because they're very active and they're very passionate about recruiting. I've shared on this show before, anybody that goes to Washington State either doesn't have a lot of options or is 100% committed to joining the Mike Leach Washington State caravan. That's why they went there. They went there for Mike Leach. 
They went there for that offensive system. They didn't go there to play in front of 35,000 people. I don't know if you've watched that HBO special. I had a chance to watch it over the weekend. The, uh, the, they spent the week with Washington State. It's kind of like that SEC behind-the-scenes thing, you know. Uh, and they did that kind of like the hard knock style as Washington State got ready to play Colorado. And they beat them, I think, 41-10 to 10 in a driving rainstorm. And they were talking about 35,000 people. And I began to think, you know, what, what's Mike Leach going to think when he walks out there? we got 61,000 people ringing cowbells. It's insane. And so you've got these guys coming in. And I think we're going to be pretty good on defense next year. It's because of the fact that we've matured a little bit. We've got some things to answer in the secondary. But you're able to go get an NFL prospect at quarterback. And, and, you know, I'm not talking about this where everybody's a prospect, where, you know, well, this is a guy that has a chance to go to make a team as an undrafted free agent. No, K.J. Costello is a guy that has the ability and the talent to become an NFL drafted quarterback. That's who he is. He has that type of ability, and now he has a system that he is considering that gives him the opportunity to put up some huge numbers. People forget Gardner Minshew was a Heisman candidate. He was a Heisman candidate. This is a guy from Brandon, Mississippi, the state and almost both passed on, and Mike Leach makes him a Heisman candidate. What could he do with a top 50 prospect like K.J. Costello? I would like to find out, and I think we're going to find out. I think if I had to call it today... Mississippi State's in very good position. We'll see what happens after the in-home visit. Now, listen, I wouldn't be surprised to find out later this week that he commits to Mississippi State. And again, he's going to, he's going to be an April graduate. He won't finish his coursework up then. He'll walk in late May, I guess, early May. And then he will uh, join the team in time for uh, summer workouts and strength and conditioning. And be here for summer, for, uh, summer school and grad school. And so we talk about program-defining moments. We talk about those things a lot. And to be honest with you, we haven't had a lot of those at Mississippi State. But if you're able to go get K.J. Costello, and you're able to go get that guy with this staff, with the athletes around him, this could be a program-defining moment. And if you notice, Mike Leach and his staff are out there throwing offers out to some of the best college quarterback, or pardon me, best high school prospects in the country at quarterback, all over the country. You're seeing it left and right. We're not just saying, okay, well, let's be real particular. Let's go. Listen, you go get the guy with the arm talent and the smart brain, and then you go uh, teach him your system. And so I'm glad that we're fishing in some deep waters. But if you go get K.J. Costello, and all of a sudden he has the year that many expect, well, then all of a sudden there are a lot of quarterbacks that maybe weren't considering Mississippi State. They're now thinking, you know what, I'm going to go do that. Look at what they did for Gardner Minshew. Look at what they did for K.J. Costello. I want to go do that. And, yeah, I may have to sit for a couple of years while I learn the system, but, man, goodness, those are the kind of numbers I want to put up. I want to play in the NFL. And so when you go get a guy like K.J. Costello, that's what he does. He helps you this year, but he also helps you in the years to come. You don't think we've gotten some mileage off Dak Prescott? We absolutely have. And all due respect to Dan Mullen, I don't think we've ever had anybody like the mad scientist to be able to coach quarterbacks. You know, Dan did some quirky things himself, but this is a guy that understands the offensive game. And Dan Mullen's a head football coach who just happens to coach offense. He understands the importance of the defensive side thing, and probably more so than many coaches. You know, he and Urban Meyer both kind of cut from that same cloth. You know, Mike Leach is an offensive-minded coach that wants a, kind of a, a defensive coordinator with the head coach's mentality. 
but this is a guy too that is just fascinated by the whole the the, the forward passing game. And so you go find that guy that works out. I think it puts us in a, in, in a it doesn't just help us this year. It helps us get the Mike era, the Mike Leach era underway on a big, big note here at Mississippi State. So we have talked also, too, about Mississippi State's needs. We've got to go out and get another offensive lineman. Dylan Spencer from Madison Central visited this weekend, expected to visit Mizzou this, this coming weekend. Mississippi State expected to bring in Khalil Benson, former Ole Miss commitment out of South Haven. Uh, so I expect at least one more offensive lineman if the cards fall just right, possibly two. But the bigger issue now is an older safety. Uh, and I wrote an article about that this morning, about, you know, State really needs an older safety. To kind of put some of that in perspective, you know, Jonathan Abram, of course, showed up and became an All-American. And then last year you had – you felt good about your returning guys because they were healthy because, you know, Brian Cole had been injured some and Jaquarius Landers had been injured some. So you bring those guys back. And uh, I don't know that maybe Brian Cole had the year many expected, but he still did enough to get into the senior bowl, and he'll be drafted by somebody. Uh, but he wasn't an All-American by any stretch. But, you know, he had a good good career here at Mississippi State. Jaquarius Landers is a guy from uh, Macomb, Mississippi, just made the most of his opportunities, and he played in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. And I think he'll end up on an NFL roster too. We'll see if he gets drafted. But, you know, so you're going to lose to those two guys. They may not have been superstars, but they were solid contributors. So those guys are gone. And then you've got C.J. Morgan coming back from a, a pretty serious knee injury. He's already had the surgery, and he's working back, and he'll be limited this spring. And so all three of your guys that were your regular starters were not available to you this year in the spring. Well, then Fred Peters is a guy that was kind of a career special teams guy that emerged late and had, you know, had some decent play against Abilene Christian, Ole Miss, and made a couple plays in the Music City Bowl. And he's probably your starting nickel. You feel great about Marcus Murphy, and to be honest with you, he is probably the only guy that's returning at safety you look at and say, okay, this is a guy here that I see playing on Sunday someday. You know, he played in a handful of games last year. He had 26 tackles and a couple of interceptions, and both of them were huge. You remember he had a pick six uh, in Arkansas, and then he had uh, the big pick – just outside the end zone against the old Miss and Matt Corral. This is a guy that has kind of embraced defensive football. He is becoming what many of us expected him to be, and he will be a starter this year. Probably should have been a starter in 2019. This didn't work out the way we'd hoped. But outside of that, it's pretty thin. You know, J.P. Purvis is a guy that everybody's been really high on, but you remember J.P. Purvis had a car accident back in December and had basically had to have surgery. Uh, that ended his season and will kind of limit him for the spring. So you, you're going to go through the spring and not have some guys that you were expected to have. And so you've got Sean Preston's a guy that started and had a big ball game. And you've got Landon Gidry, a guy that's been a kind of a career special teamers working back from an ACL injury. He's back to 100% now. But those guys have not been impactful. And so you need an older safety, if for no other reason, just to have some experience back there and to have some depth. I don't know that he starts, but you've got to have another guy back there. And so there's, you know, Chris Moore's name that has emerged here in the last few days. He's a grad transfer candidate from the University of Virginia. Word is that he'll be officially visiting Mississippi State this weekend. Started uh, five games last year, played in nine. Uh, missed some time due to a team suspension for an unspecified violation of team rules. But uh, this is a guy, too, from Ashburn, Virginia, that was uh, you know, pretty, pretty highly recruited by some of those ACC schools elected to stay home a very solid three-star type guy. But uh, there's not a lot of value out there 
for older safeties. And so if you can find a guy like him, you bring him in, I think that that really answers some issues for you. And so we'll see what happens. I know that there's still some junior college names out there. They're still kind of working through that. I think at this point, you, if you get the grad transfer, a guy, the guy that's already played three or four years of major college football, you got to go in that direction rather than junior college guy. And that's not to, to throw shade at Juco, but let's be honest, it takes those guys about half a season to get up to speed. We can't really afford that learning curve next year. And so if we can get a grad transfer safety, that makes a lot of sense. So how will this whole thing break out? So National Signing Day, I know that there have been some people said, oh, you know, we're going to go get, you know, we're going to sign 30 kids. I, I don't expect that. Uh, I don't expect that at all because, number one, you can't. Uh, Mississippi State up against the 83 limit, as I discussed on Friday, because of the sanctions associated with Tudorgate. So I, I suspect that we will see State sign a few kids on National Signing Day and then wait and see how things kind of play out with the spring. And then if guys leave or whatever then and spots open up, you hit the transfer portal and yeah. So I, I suspect that that's what will happen. I don't think you go out and sign six or seven guys in February. I think you'll probably sign four or so and then kind of see what happens uh, after the spring. And there's always this danger of over-signing too. I mean, that's one of those things that I don't know that people really value. It's a yes, you have numbers under the annual 25 limit. But if you're up against the 85, or in this case, Mississippi State 83, you can't just send out a bunch of scholarships when you don't have spots available. And the, the, the word always is, well, there's going to be some guys leave. You can't count on that. Because what happens if they don't? Well, I say, well, you run them off. Well, then you get in a situation like you did with Auburn baseball. you know. And so you can't just assume you're going to have a ton of spring attrition. You don't really want a ton of spring attrition, but you would like to see a couple spots possibly open up so you can add some difference makers, some guys that could potentially help you play football this year. And when we talk about that wide receiver position, that's one of the things that a lot of people, we get all caught up in the high school guys. You know, I think if I'm Mississippi State, when you look at this wide receiver group, if, you could, if you're going to go sign another wide receiver, I think you go get a grad transfer if you can. You go get a guy that could help you this year. And I know you got to think long term, but when I began to think about, you know, if you have the ability to have an NFL prospect at quarterback, you need to have some guys he can throw the football to. You need to have some guys that know what it's like to go play and when the band is playing, the lights are on. It's a different deal. I don't know that you can bring in a high school kid, and that's one of the things that I always see every year is, oh, this kid could play as a freshman. There are very few that can play as a freshman unless it's a team need, so they play out of necessity. But especially at wide receiver, I think you need some guys that understand what it feels like to cross the face of a safety on third and 15 and have to make the big catch and take the big hit and then get up and be able to live play another down. I just don't know if I'm going to put that in the hands of a freshman right now. This is my personal opinion. So that's the recruiting update. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We'll talk a little more about recruiting. I, I suspect that we'll begin to kind of have the weekend visit list come a little closer into focus. I'm not expecting a big weekend. I think we'll have a handful of guys in this weekend. Uh, Chris Moore will be one of them out of Virginia. Uh, if KJ Costello makes a decision this week, I don't think you bring in you know, the Clemson grad transfer quarterback. I think I don't think you waste that kid's time, and I don't think he would come in knowing you got a guy committed anyway. Uh, but all that being said, it's going to be an eventful week as we kind of push towards national signing. Day, and then that'll be one thing we can kind of remove from the discussion, and then we go right into junior day. Then this where there was a plan about having uh, junior day on February 1st, but uh, – with the coaching change and all the things have gone on, that's been pushed back. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, listen, let's go do it for today. Again, look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday. And if you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Order yourself a book. Order your friends' books. Order them Valentine's Day gifts. 
do it for yourself, do it for them, and you can find the gear at StarkVillains.com. Everybody needs a Stark Villains shirt. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.